Welcome back to the Rock Your Retirement Show. I'm your host, Kathy Klein, and today we're talking about writing your life story. One thing that I know is that when a loved one has a severe illness, it becomes more clear that there are things that you just don't know. For example, I wish I had recorded interviews with my father before his dementia and Parkinson's got to the point where he's really not able to do this anymore. It's really not possible to get his stories. So if you've ever considered writing your own life story or helping your loved one write a memoir, then you're going to love this episode. In this show, we're going to show you how to get started in writing your own life story. Today's guest is Nicola Davison, and she is an expert at drawing out fascinating stories from people. Her website, Forever Young, is the place to learn how to write and publish your unique memories. But before we dive in, I wanted to tell you that this episode is brought to you by the Baby Boomers 30-Day Journal. This write-in journal helps you keep your life on track by tracking what's important. Those are the six pillars of retirement that we've talked about on this show. And you can get a PDF version of the journal absolutely free by going to rockyourretirement.com slash journal. Okay, I won't make you wait any longer. Let's go ahead and bring on Nicola Davison. Nicola, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. But before we get started, please tell my listener who you are and what you're all about. Hi, my name is Nicola Davison. It's great to be on the show and to be here talking to your listeners. I'm in Australia, in Queensland, and I'm founder of Forever Young Autobiographies. And this is the place where we help people write their life story and also be a help for people who are helping others write their life story. I've been a journalist for over 15 years and uh, we we are surrounded by people's story every day at the newspaper and yeah this is just another way that we can help share and continue our own stories. What gave you the idea? I mean I know that you have been interviewing people and drawing out their stories but what gave you the idea to you know help people do this on their own? Great question. Yes, at a newspaper, there's always a limit of space. You can only fit so much in. And as a journalist, I'll go out and talk to people about various stories. And there'd always be bits that weren't relevant to the the news angle or that just simply wouldn't fit. And I always thought, oh, gosh, all these people with these amazing, you know, memories. And they might just be your ordinary person. but you know, they have value and they can teach us things. So I always had in the back of my mind, you know, I think we need to do a bit more of this. There's too much falling <laughs> by the side here. So that was that was really the seed of the idea. But of course, we all have our own families and I'm you know, very lucky and blessed to have a, uh, amazing people in my family. When I was young, my family lived with my mother's mum for about nine years. And I was surrounded by her stories, which was, you know, she grew up on a dairy farm and the Depression, and she was actually born at the start of World War One. And again, my my dad's mum, she's just turned 98 last week, 
And uh, we've been going through her story, which I decided to help her write probably over a year ago now. So that's that's a work in progress at the moment. Wow, that's that's really cool that you have had this multi-generational experience with writing these stories. Yeah, yeah, no, I have been very lucky. It is one of the things when you, you look back on your life or you do a project like this, you realise how things are, you know, you connect the dots. <laughs> you realise, oh, gosh, that, that is right. That Those circumstances have come to the past or I've had that exposure or, you know, that knowledge and you, you can see the bigger picture. Hmm. So what's the first place? Where do you start? I mean, you don't start, well, I was born on a stormy night. I mean, how do you, <laughs> how do you start? Yeah, that, I mean, this is every writer's <laughs> big question, isn't it? <laughs> but I think the, the main thing is that you want to have a desire to write something. So just knowing why you might like to write is, is really a big step. You don't have to think that you're someone's special. I often get people saying to me, but I don't want to write anything down. I'm not famous. <laughs> <laughs> you know, why does anyone want to know my story? But I think if you have that why and that context of who it is you're writing for, who your who your readers will be, that really does help help you make a good start. So in most cases say in your father's case, it could be that he he might have wanted to write something just for you or your or his immediate family and friends. And for a lot of people, just keeping it within the family takes the pressure off, and that they can just go for it, <laughs> make a start. Yeah. So just figure out why you want to write the story and who it's for, and then just picking somewhere that you'd like like to begin writing it doesn't have to what you write first doesn't always end up being <laughs> the beginning of the book so get your energy going have us have an early win so to speak just start with a time and place in your life that you know is interesting or it's exciting that you'd like to revisit and write a short story about a key maybe a key milestone or an event and yeah, before you know it, you've probably you've probably written a, a good page or so, and and you've begun. So it sounds like you can just write little stories of things that happen throughout your life, and then put them in order later. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Okay, you you, you don't have to feel overwhelmed. You can eat the elephant in small chunks. So to speak. It sounds kind of like how I write articles. You know, I have a another website besides Rocky Retirement, and I write articles, and I use a program called Air Story. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's not really for professional writers. And it allows me to do research online and then create little cards, and the little cards help me give accreditation to the person who originally wrote whatever it is I've researched. And then I put the cards in order that I want to use them, and write my story that way. It sounds kind of similar, only you're doing it with your brain. You're taking little stories out of your brain and putting them on paper. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. So for most people, you'll have 
when you look back, you might have key memories or key events that, yes, they have to be in. You know, you do a bit of a brainstorm. There's different exercises you can do to to get those out and some people say dredge them out, <laughs> dredge them up. So once you have a bit of an, an idea of the main things that you like to talk about, that gives people, you know, some kind of, I don't like to say structure, but some kind of goal or, you know, something to aim for, like, yep, we've broken it down so it's a bit more manageable. We, we know the main points that we'd like to address or, you know, cover. Do most people start with a story or do they do an outline? What What is the process for most of your readers? Yeah, sure. This is a good question for any writer. There's usually two camps. There's the one who just don't like to do any planning whatsoever. <laughs> they just like to jump into it and, and go for it, which, you know, some people are really, really lucky in that they can do that. But then you have the other extreme who like to, you know, pages and pages of outline that they might like to do, which I'd probably say, no, you probably want a happy medium there. Sort of have a general rough idea, but writing is a creative process. Things will come up that you probably hadn't thought of or you'll go into depth in areas that you didn't think you would and, and vice versa. So just have a rough outline. You don't have to be rigid to it, but it's just, it's just a bit of a map so that you can keep on track so that things aren't overlooked or it's a bit more weighted or fair so that you you're, you've got, you are getting that overview of your life. Maybe just a checklist instead of an outline. I want to cover these six things. <laughs> you know? Say, for example, with my grandmother's story, which I'm, I'm still in the process of doing, she's 98, so there's a bit to get through. Right. <laughs> Lots of years. So for her story, um, I sat down with her and said, look, would you like to, to do this for your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids? And she was very enthusiastic. Uh, I know she won't mind me saying this, but she loves to have a good chat. So in the end, talking to her and interviewing her was the best way. So some people might write it. Other people might like to, to talk it out. But you will get a you will get all these stories that they, you know, would like to share or would like to pass on, and then we arrange those in sort of time periods, so from a bit about her ancestors and where she came from, so sort of setting the scene, and then a chapter about or a section about her, her, her birth and earliest memories growing up, and then that progressed sort of down the line quite naturally to you know, high school and her early working career, you know, courting days. <laughs> and uh, then, you know, it, it followed on then. So she got married, World War Two. They moved around, lived in England for a while, sort of, <clears throat> which was quite a historical time when the king died and uh, Queen Elizabeth was coronated, all that was happening, and then sort of back to her life. So... It's quite, it flows on from there, but a large section of the book obviously was about her, about her childhood, which when, when you think about it is so different to today's childhoods. Right. No, no iPhones. <laughs> no, exactly. Like, 
<laughs> when she was a kid, you know, it, it was all you had to make a fire and you had to boil up your washing, doing all those things. So I did spend a bit more time spelling out details there. So that was almost uh, seems to be a lot more that goes into the earlier sections of the book because you know a lot of your standout memories or rich memories come from that, that time of your life so it, do, it doesn't hurt to really dig down into that to that period of your life so you're writing this book for her right she's not writing it she's verbally telling you the stories and then you're writing it down yes that's right i i <clears throat> was on maternity leave with my second child and we were for a long time there, I'd always ring her up, you know, <laughs> have a have a good chat, and she would be, she'd always have a new story for me. It's like she remembered them and she was trying to pass them on. That's my interpretation, anyway. And I would always come away from the phone call and write a few notes, but they were a bit sketchy, and you know, they weren't always accurate. Because I'm forever being the journalist, that's my natural <laughs> tendency. But I, I suggested to her, you know, I thought she keeps telling me this. Let's get some of it down. And I said, she's sort of, you know, an older lady. What if I sent her some questions in the mail? She loves doing a daily crossword. Why doesn't she just answer a question or two at the same time each day when she's sitting down? But, you know, it's amazing how busy 90-year-olds can be. <laughs> she wouldn't always get to do these questions. So in the end, we sort of, played to our strengths and I suggested let's make a weekly time and we'll do an interview. So we did that over a series of months and she knew I would ring on a set time and a set day. We had a backup day just in case, you know, she she had low energy or she wasn't feeling up to it that day. And yeah, she was raring to go. <laughs> she was quite excited. She could just, yeah, really get into it. And, and, and we sort of addressed it in, like I, I was alluding to earlier, different sections. So we, we did start. She wanted to start with her ancestors. I think that was something she wanted to pass on because not, you know, in case something happened because she was really the only one with those memories still alive. She started there. I think that they felt most urgent to her. And then we just progressed. You know, that was such a great idea because I have wanted to ask my father about his parents and he can't really give me those answers now. So mm. that that's such a great idea. So do most of your readers or students... Are they writing their own life story or are they helping somebody else with, with a memoir? Yeah, that's a good question. There are people who, like yourself, want to interview their loved ones, whether it's their their, their own parents, maybe a, an aunt or an uncle, or someone that they're close to. You know, you'll probably know <laughs> of people who, who are your friends or, you know, even people you in your community who... <clears throat> have just lived an amazing life or, you know, this needs to be recorded. So, yeah, there's the there's the interviewing side of it, but I sort of think of it, you helping them write their story. But then there's also, you know, having a desire yourself to put it, your own story down, which is, which is similar. The process is very similar. 
but yeah, it, it, you're more in control. Whereas if you're the interviewer, you you know, I try to res always respect, which is coming from the journalism ethics side of things, it's their story and you really have to respect that it's their story. Yeah, it's a more of a relationship there. That's that makes total sense. Yeah, and and most of these are going to be related people. They're not going to be, you know, reporters helping somebody. It's going to be, you know, you helping mom or dad or you helping grandma, those kind of things. So I have a a question that I don't know if this is something that you've been asked, but do most people type on a typewriter or a computer or are they hand writing these stories? Because I remember seeing some of my grandparents' handwriting and I wouldn't have been able to read it if they would have written like a 300-page book it, because the handwriting as you get older gets a little shaky. So what do most people do? Are they handwriting or are they typing? You know, I think most people are typing, um, but that, that might be the finished Form. I mean, you can handwrite, you know, your your original drafts, so to speak, and then type them up, um, just so that they're legible. Uh, I would suggest typing it up. But like in my grandmother's case, we did it from the audio, and I you know, recorded the the conversations. So she didn't technically write it, and then I transcribed it after the fact. But you're right. <laughs> the handwriting can get a little bit difficult. It's like, what does that <laughs> <But> say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, because I've interviewed her, I, I can, I sort of get the gist of it, but I'll check with her. But, um, I, I, you know, there are some things people would argue that, you know, seeing the handwriting, we don't see handwriting these days that all that often, you know, it, it, it is nice to have that you know, that, that sense that they were there, they left that mark <laughs> on this piece of paper for me to read now. Mm. So I do, I do appreciate that the, uh, the importance or the almost the magical value of, of having something handwritten. But That's true. clearly <laughs> we need to convey the information there. <laughs> That's right. And the uh, young people don't even know how to read cursive these days or write it. So it's kind of like a secret code that only people over the age of 50 or so know how to do. <laughs> I know. What are we becoming? But yeah, <laughs> by all means, make sure it's legible. I wouldn't dis dissuade anyone who wants to handwrite. But yeah, just again, always come back to that key message. Remember your reader make sure that yeah you're doing everything possible to make it easy for them so those stories continue do you have a checklist or something to help people think of the stories because sometimes when you're writing your memoir it's it's been a while and you've forgotten un unless somebody reminds you of that that happens to me anyway I don't remember things unless somebody reminds me of something or I see a photo is there a way to help people remember their memories? <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, memory is a funny thing, you know, and it is like <clears throat> I've heard people refer to it, you know, it's like water, you know, all the memories, the long-term ones will settle down to the bottom <laughs> and you almost have to dredge them up and make that water a bit, you know, dirty again, so to speak, um, so that it comes up to the surface. Uh, long-term memories. You know, they're one of our richest memories. And they, they I think, you might know more this 
more of this with your father, but long-term memories are really ingrained and that they are very strong and uh, sometimes the last to be lost. So it, it is a matter of they're there. <laughs> we just have to, yeah, like he says, find ways to stir them up to the surface so that we can remember them and record them. And you can't just sit down and, and recall everything. I mean, I wish we could. <laughs> Maybe it's not always a good thing, but there are, yes, there are very different techniques or exercises or checklists that you can that you can use or tap into to to bring that up. Um, on my website, Forever Young Autobiographies, I go through a few different exercises, you know, and some of them are a bit different to what you might think. The first one I would suggest is just going for a walk around your house. It's amazing the things, <laughs> you know, the story of things in your house that will tell a story uh, and bring up memories like, um, I'm thinking of my parents' house. They were they were travellers, and they have lots of knickknacks that will, you know, they have a story or a place or, or or a journey. So, looking around your house, seeing what you've got, that that will stir up memories. Also, a good thing to do is, of course, which is which most people would probably do is have a look back through what I call your treasures, which is that box of of valuable things that you would probably put under your arm and take out the door if there was a fire or an earthquake or a flood. That that contains all, you know, your school records or your photo albums, clippings from newspapers or diaries, anything like that that's sentimental. So that will help stir up memories, especially photographs. But one other thing or a couple other things that people probably wouldn't think of to stir up memories is uh, sounds. So flicking back through your record collection or vinyl, <laughs> whatever you've got there in the house, different songs, it's amazing how they will transport you back to different times. And you remember things that you were doing to that song or feelings associated with that song. So sound, the senses, is an amazing way to transport yourself back and, and remember things. Another sense, of course, would be smell. Then going into the kitchen, having a, a look around your pantry, and, you know, you'll remember things from the smell, like, oh, I remember that from, you know, my childhood when, you know, such and such would cook this. So that will then, you know, you'll sort of snowball into other memories. So have your notebook handy and, and write down the details. So, you know, write down what feelings it brings up. And you'll be amazed. <laughs> Before you know it, you'll have quite a few memories there. You'll have a whole book. Yeah. <laughs> so that's just three really main easy ways that you can, yeah, start to dredge up memories. So then there's, lot, there's lots of different ways, but it's not something that will just come to you. And it is like a snowball. The more you start to remember, the more, <laughs> the more and more comes up. Yeah, the more you remember, the more you remember. <laughs> yep. Uh, so you've already given us some great ideas. I, I especially like the ones that you just mentioned about how to how to remember things to write down and how to get started. You said just, you know, pick a memory and write about it. And so those are some really good 
ways to get started. Are there any other tips that you can give the listener on what they should know before they start writing their memoir? Mm. Um, I'm just thinking when we write, especially in the newspaper or, or any writers, you have that, that self-critic in the back of your head that says, oh, what are you writing that for? You know, that's silly. Start again. Now, my advice would be just ignore this one, would you? <laughs> just turn that little that little uh, thoughts in your head, turn them off. And, and in the first instance, when you write a story, just, you know, let it flow onto the page. Just get creative. It's not going to be perfect. <laughs> the best writer in the world has a terrible first draft. <laughs> There's a reason why we never see first drafts. It's just a way to get everything out on, onto the page. I like to, re to refer to it as a fire hose sort of exercise. You're just putting everything out <laughs> onto the page. It's not pretty. <laughs> and just turn off that self-critic. And then it's when you come back and do a second draft, that's when you might have a bit more of a critical eye. So don't work yourself up and agonise over the, the grammar or how you've structured it or anything in that first, that first draft of a story. Just have fun. Get it out there. See what you can remember. Put it down there. And before you know it, you've, you've written quite a lot and let it sit for a bit. Let it have a break, come back to it with fresh eyes, whether you go have a coffee or you leave it overnight or you come back to it in a week or week's time. Have a look at it and you and you will be quite surprised. Like it is, it's better than, of course, what you expected. So, yeah, just be easy on yourself. Know that it's, it's a process. It's not something that's going to just, you're going to be able to knock out. Uh, yeah, be gentle on yourself. Start somewhere that interests you, that you'd like, that, you know, that's a period of time that you'd like to go back to. Yeah, just have a go, have a go. That is fantastic advice. I think I'm ready to maybe start writing down some of my memories before they all disappear. <laughs> Thank you so much for giving us these great tips. If somebody wants to learn more, about how to write down their memories or how to help somebody else do it. How can they find you? And do you have, you know, just the website or do you have classes on how to do that as well? Yeah, sure. At, at the moment, everybody can go to my website, which is foreveryoungautobiography.com. And if you go to forward slash free, um, I'll have a bit of a, a sign up there for for your listeners, which is the first few chapters of my book for free, um, which is the book is Your Family Stories, and it's about easily capturing your loved one's memories for future generations. So uh, the book goes through the process step by step, but the website also has a lot of other free resources, some free training there to help map out your chapters and some exercises there to help get those memories, get those memories flowing. I love it. Thank you so much for offering the first few chapters of your book and the other resources that are also free on your website. Thanks again for coming on the show. And to the listener, thanks for listening to this episode. Join the conversation by heading on over to the show notes at rockyourretirement.com and leaving a comment. And please tell your friends and family about these episodes. You can help 
change someone's life. So we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Thanks again, Nicola. Oh, wait, I wanted to thank you again for listening to the Rock Your Retirement Show. If you're a new listener, a good place to start is episode 116. This explains the six pillars of retirement lifestyle and our general philosophy. Episodes 1 through 236 can be thought of as an encyclopedia. These are topics that may or may not be interesting to you. You can listen to the ones that you're interested in and forget the rest until the issue becomes an issue for you. And that's okay. I actually don't recommend starting with episode one and working through until the most recent. That's actually not how the show was designed. Of course, if you want to do that so you can see how the show changed over time, you're welcome to. Now, starting in August... Actually, August 31st of 2020, we changed the format of the show. The monthly episodes starting with 237 follow a real retiree from her pre-announcement through her first year of retirement. There might be bonus episodes, but we're committed to monthly. If you've enjoyed any of our past shows or the show that you've just listened to and you want to support us, you can do so in any of the four ways. One, share this episode with a friend or family member who needs to hear it. This is the most important way that people find us. Since our audience is typically older, we grow by having our listeners share our episodes with others. Two, subscribe to or follow the show using whatever podcast catcher you're listening on right now. Now, if you're listening on your computer, you can listen on your smartphone by going to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, Spotify. I mean, I believe on all of them. If you can't find us on the podcast catcher that you'd like to use, send us a note on the website at rockyourretirement.com and we'll make sure that we get on your favorite podcast app. But basically, what you do is you download the app, and then you search for the show, and when you find it, you'll hit subscribe. Make sure it's the Rock Your Retirement Show, and that you hear my voice when you listen. Um, actually, there were some episodes where Henry Shapiro was a guest. Uh, we, we actually downloaded some of his episodes. So if you hear him, it's probably still the, the same show. There were maybe 34 or 35 episodes back in the beginning that we hosted on our show uh, when he decided to leave podcasting. Number three, how you can support us is by leaving a review. Whatever podcast app you're listening to, normally has the option of leaving a review, either a written review saying how great the show is, or just with stars. Five stars is typically the best. And of course, we're shooting for those five-star reviews. 
And if you tell us why you like the show, what you liked about it, it's actually easier for other people to understand what the show's about. A lot of people, when they find our show, they think it's about money. And of course, by now, you know that it's not. Number four, if you'd like to support us financially, of course, we're always appreciative of that. Just go to rockyourretirement.com support, and it will take you to our page where you can support us financially. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Bye.